For me, the future of supply chain is really networks that orchestrate change, that simplify life, and at the core, positively impact the business as engine of value creation, but also impact society and the planet. Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP, Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Nicole. Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Smythe, and I'm a marketer, blogger, and of course, podcaster in the supply chain space here at SAP. And today we're joined by Matthias Coleman Larson from Accenture to discuss how supply chain sustainability helps unlock resilience and growth and the findings of a recent annual Accenture CEO study, Unlocking the Global Pathways to Resilience, Growth, and Sustainability for 2030. So welcome, Matthias. Thank you so much for joining us today. And it is so great to have you on the series. If you could just take a moment to introduce yourself, give some insight into your past experiences, and of course, your role today. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Richard. Amazing to be here. Yeah, I'm Matthias. I'm a managing director, and I'm leading for Accenture, what we call a sustainable value chain in the practice area globally. And I'm combining a career in value-based, strategic, large-scale change and supply chain transformation with deep sustainability experience. And that combination of my experiences, what I keep on driving for Accenture in my current role. And really, the, the role, you know, we focus in, in enabling clients around the intersection of end-to-end supply chain and what we call value chains, because companies have a much broader impact than the remit of their four walls and sustainability across what we shape as three main outcomes that we want to enable. First of all, on emissions, on climate. 60% of global emissions are actually coming from supply chains. So if we fall to even see a world that reaches net zero, the answer stays and sits and lays on companies and our clients driving that net zero, net positive pathway. Just eight supply chains make up 50% of global emissions. So it's central in our role in Accenture to help clients achieve that. Second, there is an incredible business case and an opportunity around the circular economy. It was, of course, to become less impactful in nature biodiversity, many topics, but also unlocking new enterprise value creation for our clients. And we see this as a huge area of focus and opportunity for our work. And third is our ability to help clients building the trust across all the SGs, leveraging technology and traceability and to end, whether it is to meet regulatory requirements and ensure that you are doing the right practices to ensure that you don't have child labor or you have the right practices in extracting minerals in your value chain beyond your suppliers, even you know, multi-tier into the supplier base. To be able to enable sector-wide solution like the battery passport. So in my work, we believe sustainability is really integral of, of today's and tomorrow's value chains. And it needs to be the DNA of how companies around the world manage their supply chains. So the study, I believe it's the 12th study that you've done, this 12th CEO study. And the title hits three of the most important words for supply chains in my mind. It's always been about growth from a business perspective. 
in the last three years, it's been about resiliency. And as you pointed out, sustainability is now on equal par with those two things. So it's resilience, growth, and sustainability moving forward and how to balance all of that. So could you tell us a little bit about the study, when it took place, who was involved, and what were some of the key findings? Yeah, I think it's a culmination, Richard, of 15 years of partnership with United Nations Global Compact. And as you said, the 12th edition, the incredible thing is that it's in two parts. One is a quantitative study of 2,700 CEOs' responses over a survey translated into multiple languages across the world. And second, a man whopping 133 one-on-one interviews with CEO, chairpersons, and presidents across 128 countries and 18 industries. So it's mostly, you know, really the Bible of how CEOs are thinking about these topics today. And it's at the critical junction released earlier this year in the midst of the pathway towards 2030, which is the date the UN Sustainable Development Goals are targeting. And then in accent to this master study, we break it up into relevant topics. And we did that also for supply chains. And we call it reimagining the agenda, a special feature, how the role the supply chains have in exactly what you said, which is the emerging and strengthened role supply chains have in generating enterprise value, what you call growth, enterprise value, as you call resilience, and for the first time, Resilience and sustainability are really well-proven, a connected topic, not anymore sustainability as a nice-to-have side-of-desk type of thing, but really integrated into that, which is fantastic to see that, that the world is really shifting at the top, the agenda for this. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked before, but I think the main topic, like we said, so much of the issue of sustainability lies in supply chain, but so much of the resolution also lies within it as well. So it's really a great opportunity to really change how our future is going. But reading through the study myself, some of the findings were absolutely incredible. I won't dive into too much because I'll let you have the floor, but I did want to ask some of the top findings that you had from that study. I think you mentioned the first and it's the most important, really the most important because sustainability has always been an agenda. It has to be, had to be more for a voluntary, but when it comes to the CEO agenda, it's always there. But now it's really integral to the top drivers of enterprise value, which is really a tipping point, as we see in the history of the study. But if we double click, we have that, you know, almost half of the CEOs, almost 1,700, see supply chain responsibility as part of their strategy. We move from most companies having a strategy around sustainability into how sustainability is part of the strategy, which is very refreshing to see. And already a third of the respondents, they are already working on very complicated issues like scope three emissions, which I hope we can talk a bit about also later. And even half of them, they are already transitioning to circular business model to unlock superior enterprise value. Just the other day, I was talking with a friend working with the inner layer of energy and electricity cables. You know, the big cables, submarine cables, and the cables that connect the wind farms to the land. And obviously, this is pretty hot. And he told me that the entire company was focused on how can they reduce their emissions, how can they market that reduction, 
and how to turn the, the portfolio of products, which was the components of plastic of the cable, to be unlocking a circular value. How can they recycle? How can they put the recycling material into it? And how can they make sure that they are adding value in that circularity uh, top? Which is fantastic to hear because coming from energy, coming from cables, which is, you think about carbon, you think about energy transition, but really already very deep into a circular mindset of how to drive value. The study was broken down into four sections. And the first one was around the volatile landscape. And it really highlighted the importance of supply chains to today's CEO. So it's clear from the last two or three years, but also from this survey, that supply chain now has a seat at the table. And as you said, sustainability is part of the strategy and can't be an afterthought. It's got to be embedded into the day-to-day -day processes of a business. So what were your respondents and what are you seeing as the top supply chain challenges for businesses today? It's a great question because it doesn't have a simple answer. And it was clear from the responses that the volatility and the challenges, they are accumulating and becoming ever more complex. So over 90% of CEOs were dealing with at least 10 intersecting challenges. So businesses are becoming more complex, solutions and challenges are becoming more complex. And of course, we know we're coming from an area where COVID and energy and political and war are driving inflation. So 98% say inflation, price volatility is the most important or it's either on the top. But climate change is there. Climate change, global conflict and warfare, polarization globally, politically. These are microscopic challenges that actually affect your business in multiple ways. And we're talking about business, we're talking about that is supply chain, the footprint of that business. And there are different ways and very innovative ways in which businesses are actually merging this to tackle these challenges, not one by one in silent individual way, but actually as part of a new, fresh strategy. Maybe I'll make an example. A food and beverage company, they wanted to do the impossible, which is, you know, we want to increase margins, be more premium to our consumers. We want to cut costs and we want to be more sustainable supply chain. And here is where solutions now it cuts across and platforming products allows for more localized scale of production, which lower costs, reduces the footprint and allows for new competitive position against competitors with the ability to innovate faster. So premiumization, reduce cost because you platform and you gain scale and you enable a greener supply chain because you're actually localizing more and the total unit cost is lower from source to customer, which I find very noble and very bold. Wow. I didn't even think of it that way. So that's like such an interesting way of looking at it, but completely agree. And, you know, speaking about your customers, I think a lot of it leading up to it, like as Richard said earlier, resilience has really started to become such a strong word in the supply chain world especially since the pandemic, because people are trying to bounce back. They're trying to overcome adversity, all those things like that. And that was such a strong topic in the study as well, with the second section being very focused on it. So in your opinion, and from the study that you've seen, how are companies building that resilience into their supply chains? So supply chain transformation is a key priority for many businesses. We look at tech and the auto industry and the disruption in supply chains that started with COVID. 
we looked at the energy pricing and also the delta of carbon intensity different parts of the world bring, if including your supply chain to your value chain upstream. So resilience became very fast, very high on the agenda. And as I mentioned as well now, with scope three and, and carbon intensity, sustainability is part of it. So as I said at the beginning, 47% of CEOs say that now this is part of their sustainability strategy. Many are transitioning to circular business model. It's not just about duplication to ensure that resilience is there, but really moving beyond that. Also integrating into their digital roadmap. And that digital roadmap allows for intelligence to play an ever more important role in enhancing resilience for the company. So we're assuming we are moving from a decade or more of transactional value chain relationship, very complex across the globe, to a reality where supply chains are strategically more interlinked, accountable to each other, and leveraged for much more than just, you know, just in time, performance and costs. So for example, we're working with a leading local pharmaceutical company, and we're using their tier one purchasing data, so the data that comes from their immediate suppliers, to start looking beyond the tier one and identify their carbon intensity exposure in their entire supply net. And in that way, we're able to see how increasing intelligence into the multi-tier that the company is able to now identify sources of emissions and hence proposing solution that goes beyond what they can exercise in the first, their own supplies, but actually enabling solutions that goes throughout their supply chain to decrease carbon footprint, but also increase the resilience of that value chain. That's great. I feel like people always thought that they couldn't go hand in hand. Now, from pandemic to sustainability, people always saw them as two separate pillars, which, you know, they can be. They all have their different definitions and aspects to the supply chain, but really being able to put them hand in hand, I think is revolutionary, especially moving forward since people are really starting to focus on that more and more. So that's awesome. It, it's obvious as well that sustainability is was top of mind in the research. And you, you mentioned earlier that 60% of all global emissions come from supply chains. and we're seeing increasingly that reporting emissions and other ESG regulations are becoming mandatory, if not mandatory already. And it's really a challenge that we're seeing with companies of actually capturing actual emissions, especially when we talk about scope three emissions, the ones that are coming from outside of your organization, which is a large percentage of that 60%. So how are these challenges taking their toll on supply chain management processes? Richard, you started with saying, you know, it was when resilience and sustainability are top of mind, we need to move from what is top of mind for CEOs to how that translates into how you're managing your day-to-day -day and your people in managing your supply chains. So as supply chain sustainability becomes more of a core business priority, what does it imply in terms of the day-to-day decision-making that your teams your employees are doing to build resilience, to boost transparency, to, you know, beat that disruption that is affecting their supply chain. So I mentioned virtually all of them says sustainability is top of the agenda. More than one third are looking at building resilience by duplicating and diversifying supply chains. One fifth are looking at different geo setups and natural designs. But you touch upon also 
the topic of scope three and, you know, the decarbonization and the visibility. I was part of a parallel study around scope three that we launched late last year. And we found out that similar to the example I made before, two thirds of upstream emissions lay beyond the tier one suppliers and in geographically very, very complex networks that for nearly 50% of the industry, in the moment you look at the real hotspots in your upstream value chain, they are different than if you only look at your suppliers. So the efficiency and effectiveness productivity of your action is off if you don't enhance with data intelligence. And that the geographical footprint of supply chains matters and is significant, it's a significant influence in upstream emissions. So what we recommend the company in the study that connects to your question about decision-making and what you do in a company day-to-day, first of all, company needs to augment through digital in their core, that visibility over the supply chain. And here we're talking about scope three, but you can talk about any other business priority, not just sustainability. Right after number two is to embed sustainability into the category planning and supplier selection and procurement processes that you have. That's how you are affecting the day-to-day process and decision-making that you're employees with. Because then you can actually be better and, and smarter in integrating this intelligence into your digital twin, into the, your digital core and, and supply chain control tower. You're able to integrate into how you make decision on an end-to-end planning perspective as well. And then you go into action. You are able to support your supplier base and their supplier in a much more targeted, much more effective and efficient decarbonization effect in this case, but it could be innovation, it could be material circularity, new business plans, et cetera. And then you can start really taking that strategic element to heart and say, I'm not going to be driving value only by interacting with my suppliers. I need to find out how to engage with more of the suppliers, but also with my peers in driving value and scale across the entire value chain. So here are topics that are not competitive, like carbon. It's really the frontier of what we need uh, companies to start with. Absolutely. I think just having a plan like that in place, obviously, is so crucial because people can have these big plans, these big dreams. You know, they want to be carbon neutral or carbon zero by 2030. But like you said, how do they do it? How do they put it into place? You can have the technologies, you can have the ideas, but it really is putting that into action and actually getting it going, which I definitely feel is the most daunting part of it all. Obviously, it's interesting to hear the full plan. I think we're moving to a reality where the why and the what are mostly given. A lot of the corporates have started to create the interlink with the strategy sustainability to set ambitious targets, to define paths of action. They are mostly stuck there. Many need to get there, but many are stuck there and are stuck with visibility and transparency and reporting. We see the gap between net zero target sets and the actual progress to be widely off across many, many industries. So to your point, Nicole, you hit the nail on the head, which is we need to move on the how. The how is not simple, but we need it. We need it because not just to save the world, and that's great, but also because if it's true that it's a business part, if it's true that it helps resilience, if it's true that it's an engine for enterprise value creation, these priorities need to be treated exactly as any other business priority. Embedded in target, embedded in, into people's day-to-day, 
embedding your technology journey, you know, it needs to be tracked accordingly and, and invested accordingly. I think also that it's a network play as well, because a lot of the data you don't have control of in your organization, you're reliant on getting data from your suppliers, your logistics providers. How are you seeing, or are you seeing that data becoming available and being shared? Because we need to move from estimates to actuals when it comes to reporting our emissions and our waste. Absolutely. Data. Well, for Accenture and SAP, probably is a lot of times at the core, but really we talk about total enterprise reinvention as a key priorities for the next decade of businesses. And it's anchored around a strong digital core. You know, yes, it's powered by cloud-based the foundation layer of data, but really companies are in that journey to really strengthen and, and redesign and redeploy the digital core. And it is key to build those resilient supply chains and embedding sustainability into supply chains. And the amazing work we are doing together with SAP on really redesigning that core to embed ESG aspects into the tech stack. Technology allows for more accurate planning, simulation and trials of products, manufacturing processes, and much more. It also enables companies to increase transparency. Talked about the carbon emission, but we can talk about waste and water and how to reutilize lost value in the entire value chain and close that circle in the circular model. The study focused that actually three-fourths of CEOs are focusing on digitizing their business. So the journey of digital transformation that started 15, 20 years ago is ever more present. And more than half of them are still struggling and are focusing on enhancing that sustainability data collection across the supply chain across their supply chain. But Richard, you point out to the complexity of their value chain and their suppliers and their customers. And that's where that digital core needs to expand. And where you don't own anymore the right to win in that space as a single company, but you need to rely on a multiple array of third-party data, but also sector and industry platforms and standards that actually enables many in that value chain to actually work and uh, be successful in facing some of these challenges. Well, Matias, if you could believe it or not, we're already near the end of the podcast, but the study is incredible. The work you guys are doing is incredible. I'm excited to see the future because I will hopefully be living in it for quite some time. So I'm excited to see all of the different processes and innovations that's going to come. But like I said, given it's the end and the title of the series is The Future of Supply Chain. So we ask every guest this question, so you're no different. But in your opinion, in about a sentence or two, what is the future of supply chain? Thanks, Nicole. And I got ready for this. For me, the future of supply chain is really networks that orchestrate change, that simplify life, and at the core, positively impact the business as engine of value creation, but also impact society and the planet. Perfect answer. Well, Matthias, thank you so much for a great conversation. I know Richard and I both thoroughly enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot about the study and all of the work you guys are doing. And thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me here. Thanks a lot. 
And thank you everyone for listening. We'll make sure to include a link to the annual Accenture CEO study, Unlocking the Global Pathways to Resilience, Growth, and Sustainability for 2030 in the show notes. As always, please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Matthias, Richard, and myself, thank you for discussing the future of supply chain.